Galatians 5, verses 16 through 25. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, I pray that this word would become embedded in our hearts, that it would be seed that would bring forth good fruit, that we would live according to your word. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So Summer Breeze, Life with the Holy Spirit. We're going to review that we have learned from Jesus in John chapter 3 that the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. It starts with the new birth experience that Jesus described to Nicodemus. In Ephesians 5, we are encouraged to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we are filled, this is going to lead to an exuberant life of singing and praising and thanking God. Kind of connects with the scripture Tom read for our offering time. The Holy Spirit is not referred to as it, but as he, because he is a person. The third person of the Trinity proceeding from the Father and the Son. He is our paraclete which means our guide, counselor, comforter, teacher, advocate, and helper. He advocates for us, and he also advocates through us for Jesus. When Jesus stands accused, the Holy Spirit advocates through us. We receive power to be witnesses for Jesus when we receive the Holy Spirit. And how many can say we need his power we need his power to be witnesses. The truth is the Holy Spirit has a winning personality. And so here are some of the traits that we talked about that the Holy Spirit has. He is patient, polite. He won't force his way on you. He's particular. It does matter how you treat him. The scripture says, do not make him sorrowful. Do not... Um, quench the spirit. He's personable. 
he delights in getting people together and building bonds of unity between us, building the fellowship of the saints and fellowship with each other. He's personable. He's perceptive. When you don't know what to pray for, he does. The scripture says he will pray for us. When other people don't understand you, he does. When you don't understand yourself, he does. He is perceptive. He is pure. There is no shadowy side to the Holy Spirit. He is thoroughly good. He is peaceful. He actually exudes peace. When we are in his presence, it moves away anxiety and instead blankets us with peace. And he is positively joyful. So it talks about that the kingdom of God is goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he gives us that buoyancy of joy that doesn't necessarily make sense according to the circumstances. But because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, there is a joy in our life. All right. And last week we talked about that the scripture uses symbols to help us better understand and get to know the Holy Spirit. So they include oil, wine, wind, water, a dove, and fire. So all of these, this series is online and there is a podcast that you can subscribe to for the sermons to catch up if you want to keep learning about the Holy Spirit. Today, what we're going to talk about is this passage that told us about the fruit of the Spirit. So I have this art piece here that lists out the fruit. And I believe most of you, uh, including Bethany, since she's listened to Music Machine a few thousand times, have heard messages on the fruit of the Spirit before. So you may have learned already, for instance, that it is important to note that the scripture says fruit rather than fruits. It's not really sensible to suggest that you have the fruit of peace, but for whatever reason, you just don't seem to have the fruit of self-control. You don't get to pick and choose out of these fruit. All of these characteristics will be developing in you if you are living life by the Spirit. And in a transforming community, each member will be growing in all of these characteristics. It's not the same as spiritual gifts, where the scripture says specifically, he gives to one person this gift and another person this gift. The fruit is not like that. It's not like he says, I will give this person joy, but I'm going to give that person faithfulness. No. All of these characteristics are the fruit of a life committed to following the Spirit. Okay? So that's one thing you may have learned already. You may have learned previously that because it is called fruit of the Spirit, we understand that we cannot produce this fruit on our own. But instead, its source is the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Now, we must accept the responsibility of being directed by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, 
following the Spirit, all of those phrases are in our text we read today. We have to do that part. There is that for us to contribute. But it is the Spirit that produces the fruit in our lives. Perhaps in a previous study, you learned that a list of vices and virtues was common in both Greek, pagan, and Jewish society and literature. And the list of the works of the flesh is very similar to such lists of vices. A major difference is that the pagan philosophers would say that these evils are against and from outside of man's basic good nature. Paul points out that these are the natural expression of our innate sinful nature or the flesh. The sins listed here are not an exhaustive list of all sins, because Paul says, and other sins like these. But it is interesting in its categories and emphasis. Ben Witherington points out, the first three refer to sexual sins. The next two to spiritual sins. The next eight to social sins against the community of faith. And the final two to social sins in the larger society of which the audience was a part. So clearly, there's an emphasis on how we treat each other. Now, the list of fruit also includes some qualities found in other lists of virtues. But the Christian quality, qualities are found also in the writings of Peter, and these characteristics are descriptions of the life that is spirit-led, becoming more and more like Jesus. That's what these are pointing us toward. Today, since you may have already learned all of those things that I just said, I would like to consider some situations that are in our headlines. Some issues happening right here in our community, others happening within the Christian church. And let's find out where this beautiful language about fruit of the Spirit and all the other things we've been learning about the Holy Spirit have relevance to what's going on in our world right now. This past week, the entire leadership of one of the top five megachurches in America resigned after admitting they had failed to properly investigate allegations of sexual misconduct by their pastor. Even the articles in secular media highlight the struggle of how a pastor could seemingly have done so much good and yet allegedly have a years-long practice of sexual harassment and infidelity. He's written 50-some books and has been considered a premier leader of leaders in the church world, hosting a conference where pastors come from all over the world called the Global Leadership Summit. Even in the midst of this crisis, the summit was held this last weekend. And he's been considered cutting edge in terms of empowering women for leadership in the church, 
which now seems ironic. I do not want to cast stones or sit in judgment of people. I am aware of my own weaknesses and continue to grow in that awareness. But I also feel it's important to pay attention when this kind of situation is revealed and take heed. How does the fruit of the Spirit relate to what's going on in the world? In other news, right now, uh, 11.33 a.m., people are traveling to the Vienna metro station, planning to group up and travel together down to Washington, D.C. They call themselves Unite the Right, and they are made up of neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other racists. They have a constitutional right to free speech and assembly, but so do those who oppose their message. They are meeting today on the one-year anniversary of their tragic assembly in Charlottesville. Perhaps nothing newsworthy will come of today's gathering, but the fact that people actually believe that they are superior because they are white is disheartening. It actually makes me angry, but I must be careful not to get into the sinful nature with that anger. How can the power of love, joy, and peace work in our world? Where do patience, kindness, and goodness fit in? Does faithfulness, gentleness, self-control have any impact on these kinds of issues? Verse 17 said, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. Church, we need to have a made up mind to follow the Holy Spirit. If you claim to be following the spirit, yet are living according to those things that are in the list of the works of the flesh, you are not in the realm of God's kingdom. You are not being ruled by King Jesus. And the apostle Paul said, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's letter to the Galatians is pleading with them to not depend on the flesh for salvation. So this isn't about a checklist of rules or a checklist of doing the law. That's the whole point. Circumcision, keeping the law of Moses, stacking up good works. This is not the way to salvation. This does not work. We have been set free from the law, not so that we can be free to break the law, but that we can be free from sin. We do not have to let sin rule. We can crucify the passions and desires of the sinful nature to Christ's cross. In fact, Paul says that, that we have done this 
It is done when we choose to believe in Christ and then any and every time the flesh comes to life again. We have to get out the hammer and the nails and go to the cross of Christ and nail those passions and desires of the flesh back to the cross. You cannot let them coexist. Now I know the fruit of the spirit, I'm supposed to have a beautiful fruit bowl out here, not a hammer and nails. But we're not gonna live according to the fruit of the spirit if we are allowing the passions of our sinful nature to rule and reign. When we talked about spiritual disciplines, the tools of the trade, how do we overcome sin? One of the main tools, the, one of the first ones I talked about is confession. That's, what, that's what's going on when you're nailing those things to the cross. You are coming before your loving Savior and confessing it as sin and saying, I repent. And if you have to confess 20 times today, well, maybe tomorrow it'll only be 19. And maybe the next day it'll only be 18. But you've got to nail those passions to the cross. So you get out the hammer and nails, you say, oh, no, you don't. I've been born by the spirit of God into a new life. I am seeing and entering the kingdom of God. I'm going to be led by God's Holy Spirit. And I'm going to bear the fruit of the spirit in my life. And I do not have to be a slave to sin anymore. Now, look, I am a pastor of a congregation here in Vienna, Virginia. If instead I was a pastor of a megachurch, outside of Chicago, it wouldn't change these truths. I cannot choose to go about with an attitude of oppression, sexual harassment, whatever, and claim to be leading, being led by the Spirit. It would put me at war with what the Spirit wants. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to do this, but if I was to decide to go down to the Vienna Metro Station this afternoon to hand out Bibles to people that clearly need Jesus, even though they claim a covering of religiosity and, and even use the name of Christianity, I'm not saying I'm going to do that, but if I did, I can't do it with an angry heart or an attitude of bitterness, or pride, or personal superiority. So I have to say, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> we tend to excuse ourselves depending on the circumstances. What Paul is begging the Galatians and us to see is that we cannot finish in the flesh what was started in the spirit. If I want the fruit of the spirit in my life, I have to follow the spirit and crucify the flesh. And everybody say, ouch. One last thing about fruit. I studied a little bit at this very deep 
site called biologyreference.com. When the flower has been pollinated, the ovule is fertilized and begins to grow. That's how fruit forms. The botanical definition of a fruit is an organ that contains seeds protecting these as they develop, protecting the seeds as they develop, and then often aiding in their dispersal. So what is the purpose of fruit? Well, God told Adam and Eve they may eat of every fruit in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So one purpose of fruit is nutrition and enjoyment. I love delicious fruit. It it's, tastes good. It can be nutritious. But the other purpose of fruit is for reproduction, the dispersal of the seeds. When we are allowing the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our lives, we are dispersing seed. Now, what does that seed produce? If that apple, if I took that apple and opened it up and took the seeds out of it and planted it in the ground and watched and waited for what was going to grow out of it, another apple is not going to suddenly just plop itself there. What's going to grow? A tree, the seed dispersed, creates other fruit bearers. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them whatsoever I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit develops the seed that can be dispersed that builds more people coming to God. That's the purpose of the fruit of the Spirit. Why does the fruit have any relevance to what's going on in the world today? This is not just about trying your best to get one or the other of these qualities to get better in your life so that you're more patient at home or that you're more peaceful at work, or that you have more self-control while you're driving down the street. That's not the end of the deal, all right? Why does it have relevance to the things I talked about that are happening in our world today? Because the world needs Jesus. And no matter how many good intentions somebody may have, but they can't succeed, or how desperately they are enslaved to sin, the desires of their sinful nature, there is hope in the power of Christ. Even for this pastor who, as far as I know, is still in absolute denial, if he would fall on his knees and admit his sin before Christ, there is forgiveness in Christ. There is hope in Christ and the fruit of the spirit is needed so that the world could find Jesus. It's aggravating when Christian leaders fall, but that we mustn't stop bearing fruit because of that. It is crucial that true followers of Jesus continue walking in step with the spirit of God, allowing his fruit to grow and flourish displaying the freedom of the Spirit and making the invitation to others, sharing the good news of the gospel of Christ.
life with the Holy Spirit. It kind of cuts deep, doesn't it? (laughs) But you can't read this passage about the Holy Spirit without seeing what it's surrounded by. And it's telling us, take heed. These are the works of the flesh, and they are at war with the fruit of the Spirit. They are at war with what the Spirit wants. And if you're going to follow this fleshly stuff, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. We could spend a lot of time digging into each one of those things and each one of the descriptions of the fruit. But the main thing is life with the Holy Spirit. Allow the Spirit to lead you. When, you, when the gentle, loving, polite, perceptive Holy Spirit convicts you of a sin, don't grieve that. Respond. You don't want to wake up 10 years down the road with your hidden sin revealed because you didn't answer the Holy Spirit here. Allow the Holy Spirit to convict you. Take up your hammer. Take up the nail one more time. Nail that thing to the cross and allow that buoyant joy and peace and goodness of the Holy Spirit to reign in our lives. And as we do that, folks, seed, the true gospel is going to be dispersed and we are going to see a harvest on the college campuses and right here in Vienna, Virginia, of, of souls coming to the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Father, your word is living and active and more powerful than a two-edged sword. Your word is relevant to what's going on right now. And I pray for these people, your people, who love you, Lord. I know they do. Who want to follow you. I pray that if there is any hidden thing that needs to be nailed once more, would you convict of that today? Would you set us free from those things that are the cravings of the sinful nature? You use the word cravings and passions. I mean, they're strong, they're real but we've got to give them up to you. If there's something that you want to just offer before the Lord, and I I get it that that could be embarrassing, but I want to say the altars are open. Sometimes it takes a big step to just step out and, and come and kneel and you know, in your own way of praying before the Lord, if there's something that you've got, that you just want to be done with it and say, I am nailing this one.
Holy Spirit, we just pray for the ability to allow your fruit to develop beyond what we've thought it might look like, to truly allow the seed of the gospel to be dispersed. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. Thank you for being so good. Thank you, Lord. I pray a prayer of benediction over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the light of his face shine upon you. And may you go forth this week in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.